I just thought, you know what, I want to have these conversations because I learn from them. And I think there's millions of people that are like me who were in business, who were living that life that they thought they were supposed to live. And now they're a little disoriented and they're like, what's going on? I feel different. I think the world is changing and I can't orient. So hopefully mm. this can help them orient. Yeah, I love it. That's perfect. I, am, I love the intention and I love your commitment to it. So I'm yeah. excited to be a part of it. And I'm so happy that you asked me. So thank yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're doing so much since we last spoke and, you know, we work together and I definitely hope to get into that a little bit for people to, to know our connection because I found you at a time in my process, which was around last October, where I felt like I hit a plateau in mm. how far I was able to take myself in this I call it unraveling, you know, this evolution and we were connected and we worked together and it was such a powerful time for me to get through what ended up being some really intense months because with your conscious mind, you can't plan it, right? But we started working together right before I lost Barrington, right before that retreat that I was supposed to do completely fell apart, <laughs> before the viral video hit. And you were with me through all of that, anchoring me. So I always think people come into your life for a reason. And um, <laughs> yeah. you know, those months, my God, those were, those were really intense months. Yeah. So I think uh, probably a good place to start would just be to describe, for you to describe, like, how do you describe yourself and what you do? Because I know what we did together and how you held space for me, but how do you describe that for somebody who's like, I don't know what you guys are talking about? Right. So there's the, the how I do things with the modalities, which I think most people lead with, you know. So if I were to go with that, you know, I'm a spiritual coach. I work with influencers, with celebrities, with leaders, thought leaders, and I'm also doing trans-channeling work, speaking work. That's the how. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what do I really do when we lift up the hood? Every client is definitely different. But the one thing I see that's the commonality between each person that I'm working with, number one, they are on some sort of fast track, evolutionary, ascension, spiritual, metaphysical type path. They have already been introduced to it. They, they, have had tools in it. There's an understanding of it. You know, they are aware that there's something going on on the planet. There's an awakening happening and, and maybe they're in one or two or three or four iterations of that already. So by the time they find me, they already have been introduced to spirituality and what that means, like what, maybe what that looks like for them. And it's about deepening that and, and helping them to navigate another iteration of what their spiritual awakening is bringing them. The second piece to kind of dovetail into that is without a doubt, I seem to find people when they're in a place of, I know I'm meant for more. And that more me, it, it looks different for everyone. For some people, depending on what industry or career they have, it's like, I know I'm meant to impact more people or I'm supposed to become more influential. I'm supposed to have more money or I'm supposed to have more visibility or I know I'm meant to hold more in terms of capacity. Like I know that I'm meant for more to stretch out and up the beingness of who they are and how they're showing up in their world and in the world. And typically what I find for people is by the time they find me, kind of similar to what you and I had talked about initially was all the things that I've done in the past to get me to that next level, that next level of fulfillment, of success, of joy, of abundance, of visibility, of leadership, whatever it may be, suddenly isn't working anymore. I feel like I've exhausted all of my resources, my tools, and I don't know how to get to the next level. And I know that I'm meant to go to another level. I know I'm meant for more. So people often find me in this interesting transition that is not always very easy to describe. Sometimes it's a really innate kind of knowing and intrinsic feeling of something's going on within me and in my life, but most people can't understand it, you know, because when we tend to look at transitional points, 
Sometimes it's the ending of a career or a relationship. And not all of my clients come to me during those times. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But there's just this deep knowing that there's something going on. They can't quite put their finger on it. And they know that they need support from getting to like A to C and B is the gap. You know, B is the gap of what is the process? What is it that needs to happen or circulate new energy around, or what do I need to learn or be guided into or embody or ascend into to be able to get to that next level. So very simply put, there's transitions, there's juncture points within a client or a potential client's journey where they're like, I know that I can't keep doing what I've been doing anymore. I've tried all the things that used to work the prayers aren't working, maybe the meditation, the yoga class isn't working. I've been going to all these psychics and these people. I'm reading my astrology charts, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. What the hell is happening here and how do I get there? And, and it's just this beautiful connection and collaboration that I call it with, with clients where we come together as a team and collaborate to help you to become more aligned and set a new foundation of what that next version of you and whatever it is that you're creating and cultivating and desiring to build or have for yourself supports that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like really supports that because that old foundation, maybe parts of it might be able to go along for that journey in the gap, right? Mm -hmm. Not all parts of you can. And so we need to dissolve, dismantle, release, let go, destroy sometimes parts of the foundation, which have been like the security or the comfort yeah. in order for something way more resonant and aligned to show up and be embodied within you to support where you're going. Does that make sense? Is that a oh, yeah. clear yeah. way of describing it? <laughs> yeah, it does. It makes sense. Like a couple things come to mind. Like one is people come to you as I did with this felt sense and it has to me anyways, and we can talk about this because I think you're such a great example of somebody who gets it on a very practical level, but also a very mystical level because there's still some stigma around spirituality, that word, like I know I had it, but I couldn't, and I'd never ignored the fact that I was going through some kind of a process I had never been through before. And once I got over the idea in my head, right? Which is mostly that's what's holding us back. And I really felt into it. I was like, this is something this is something else. And, and it's all about the feelings, like feeling them and processing them and putting words to them. And what you just described as these transition points, it, when you're describing it, what kind of comes, for, comes up for me is you're taking a leap from one, like over a crevice or over like a giant chasm. And you have to leap off of ledge to, to land on the other one, which means leaving behind, like you were saying, and dismantling all the things that no longer work for us and having this really deep trust that wherever you're landing, and it might not feel good, you might land on your face, you might like roll a few times before you get back up, but that you land and that where you were is no longer where you need to be. And you were really so wonderful in, in helping that transition. And so when you were saying that, that was, was coming up for me is, is like, it's like you're holding people in midair. Yes. That's great. Great frame. I love that. Yeah. And it feels that way because transitional opportunities in the spiritual path or in our ascension or in our evolution require us to release identities. Mm. Right. I mean, that's like one of the scariest things. Yes, we might be required to release things outside of us, but most, most of us are most afraid from what I've discovered, even in my own journey, is releasing identities. And identities are enmeshed in our beliefs, in our limitations, in our fears, you know, as well as all of the identities to what we know we're meant for or meant to bring in or, or to create. So, when you're in midair and you are being forced through this spiritual journey to let go of an identity or many identities, it's a really scary place to be because there's no, it's like you're bottoming out really. That's what it feels like that there's a process in which we're dying, you know, elements of our personality of who we've created ourselves to be in the world are suddenly shedding and going away 
if they're not aligned with where we're headed, you know, and it is being, you know, held in midair. And I love that. That's a wonderful frame, Adapia. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like what actually it's funny because I remember we, we worked on this a little bit, like this whole idea of being intuitive, because when we worked a little bit and talked about being intuitive and I was like, well, no, you're like the expert, like you're the channeler, like you're intuitive, you know, and I'm, I'm not. And then we did like a little exercise where you asked me to just feel into what I was feeling. And I think I remember it was like, I felt something around my head and you had a headache. And so I've been like working on this and like feeling an energy or like trusting what comes into my field when I'm speaking to someone else. And it's really interesting because I always, even when I was little, I was like, oh my God, wouldn't it be really cool to be a psychic and just know everything, which A, that's not how it works, right? Um, <laughs> I was like, no, I just want to be a psychic so my life can be really easy and I can, right. you know, all the problems, I can just like smooth sail, which is, that's not how it works. But then the other side of that is, this idea of giving power away and actually we're, it's not that being intuitive or like psychic is a gift that only a few people have. It's a skill. Like everybody could potentially be a musician. Like everybody could potentially have certain skills. It's a question of developing them. So what do you think about that? And can you talk about your journey? Like when did you start knowing that you could sense and feel and however you uh, intuit the world and, and talk a little bit about how intuition is really something we all have. I love that. And I love that you began with this piece around giving our power away to people who are in these quote unquote expert positions, which nauseates me to be <laughs> quite honest with you. And definitely a, a paradigm in the personal and spiritual developmental world that I think we're stepping away from because this work is meant to help you become an authority. This work is meant to develop you and empower you to be your most fully expressed, authentic, intuitive, you know, magnificent self, really, at the end of the day. And I do believe that intuition, and it's going to show up differently for everybody. You know, my journey started at a very young age with intuition. And I kind of just had this knowing and this, this feeling based sense in my body and just in my mind about certain things. We call it vibes. So I would have vibes as a kid around certain, you know, classmates or, or things happening in my life. And they would be eerily accurate. And my first introduction actually with intuition as a kid was that it was kind of a scary thing because it didn't always predict great things happening. At the time, it was like showing me caution or dangerous, potentially dangerous things or things that would disappoint me or hurt me. So, and I had no, you know, knowledge or understanding of what was happening. I didn't go and talk to my parents. Mm -hmm. I didn't go and talk to the kids in the playground. All I knew is that for me, I knew things about people and about my life and about situations and people would come to me and they would ask for advice. They would just naturally open up and I would have some sort of piece of advice or my opinion and it would just really resonate with them. And they'd be like, wow, how do you know these things? And I'd be like, I don't know how I know these things. So it started off as a very, as a young child, these intuitive abilities. And my, you know, thing is for a lot of people, I think before we're really developed, you know, we're, we're developing our brains for quite some time. I think it's like up to 19 or even 22 years of age. I don't know if it's, obviously it slows down. We're most programmed from eight and under, you know, with our brain developing, but the brain is like plastic, right? It can be molded, you know, we get to change it and shape it and we get to deconstruct and let go of old experiences and program it with ones that we really do want to have. I think intuition, if we really can recall from the time we were a young age, we were all tapped in at a very young age. We just didn't have words to describe it, I think. You know, that, this is just my opinion. This is in my right. opinion, okay? Yeah. I think that most of us were very intuitive in some way. And, and intuition can show up in the body. It can show up in vision. It can show up in hearing things. It can be showing up in just like having this deep knowing or thoughts or, you know, it can show up in a variety of ways. And 
when we're children, we're so open. And, and, and what closes intuition down is our disconnect to our bodies, our disconnect to our emotions, and all of the programming that's just conditioned into us as we get older, as we become teenagers and adults, and et cetera, et cetera. So we lose touch with the part of ourselves that is tapped in. So I think it is something that can be developed if there's enough desire to allow your spiritual side to begin to open the way it needs to open for you, your journey or your gifts around intuition may not look like mine or like yours, Adapia's or anybody's, but it doesn't make it less than or better than or worse than or anything like that. So I think there's this like big misconception that there's like certain people who are born with it and who aren't. I do believe that there are certain people, and this could be true about my path, that are meant to use their gifts in this way to help other people. And so maybe there is a, like a, a journey where it is strengthening or there's a devotion or dedication to the development of it in a way that is different from maybe the average person who may not have to work with their intuition in a professional sense to help people. However, that doesn't mean that they're without it. Right. Yeah. So, you, do you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it, the journey, I mean, the voice came in guiding me into the entertainment industry at 14 you know, I was in that industry for a long time, really felt like that was my purpose. Like, this is where I'm going to make a big impact and make a positive difference in the world. And, you know, I spent 10 years in that really, really, really trying to make that possible. And I did everything I could. I had a wonderful career. I did things that, you know, people would maybe dream of um, or, or we'd love to experience. I know that I couldn't believe some of the most incredible surreal experiences I was having in that industry. And then by my, you know, mid twenties, it was when I started to feel this disconnect, this misalignment, and it was happening parallel to me in my spiritual and personal development. By like 19-ish, I started to dive back into really getting curious about what my purpose was, who I am, why the world is the way it is. And that caused me to start going down the rabbit hole of the law of attraction, landmark, Louise Hay, Norman Vincent Peale, conspiracy theories, you know, you name it, I was kind of diving into it. And it wasn't until I was 23 when a life coach that was hired by my uh, manager who was managing me in, in, as a solo artist, as a singer, came in and basically said to me, like, I don't think you're cut out for this anymore because he could sense my passion was weaning and wasn't as devoted to the craft that I was, you know, involved in. The passion was, was, was dying basically. I basically resisted what he said, even though I knew intuitively, like it was time to move, but it was the manifestation of a virus all over my face. As I was set to go to LA to meet with agents at 24, that really woke me up. And it was a, another part of my awakening of you're going in the wrong direction. This is not aligned for you anymore how much more intense does this need to be for you to get it? Wow. Wow. So you yeah. are a singer, you were a model, you're probably acting. Yeah, acting and did it all. And I had a, another business in marketing and events. So that was my first business wow. at like 22 years old. And so I let it all go. You know, after mm -hmm. that, I got it and I let it all go. And I allowed myself to live into what was next. I spent the next year really on a, a soul search of what am I here to do? Who am I here to be? I, I really thought that all of these gifts that I had cultivated and this development really was going to go somewhere, but I didn't know what. And so I humbled myself and tried to figure it out and took all kinds of odd ends, jobs, things like that to pay the bills. And, and finally, about a year after that happened, I let everything go. The voice came back and said, you are here to help people. And the things that you've been most passionate about that you've, you've dove into are where you're meant to share your gifts. And that's where I started my business. It's like 11 years almost that I've been doing the healing work, the coaching work, you know, the transformational work. I taught yoga, I taught meditation, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And then I got to California almost five years ago and brought the work into Hollywood. So it's been a wild ride, but it's been constant following and listening to the, not just intuition, but 
to just the guidance of, of source of God mm-hmm. leading me where I need to and getting out of the freaking way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a term that, that gets used a lot. There, there's like a couple things that I wanted to, to touch yeah. on is I also started diving into things when I was 19 after like being completely destroyed by this boy that I was like, he was like my boyfriend, like so in love with him. And it just, he just like destroyed me. Like, cause I pegged my entire self-worth on him. And I remember finding this book in my living room and it was, I think it was called like how to be happy. And there was these little cartoon characters on it. And I have no idea where the book came from. Uh, Maybe it was my roommates, maybe Jill, maybe it was yours. I don't know. But there's this little book and I started reading it. And then the next book I bought was uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I started going a little bit down the path. Now mine, you know, is very, very different. But what's interesting that when you said 19, I was like, oh, wow, me too. And Hmm. then, you know, I'd love for you to to talk about, because I love this story of yours. So I know for everyone, the past couple of years has been potentially like, really upending. I know it has for me. I know it has for you. You've gone through a lot and you've been sharing that a lot. What you just described, you said, you know, now you're in Hollywood. I would love for you to talk about that because what's interesting is you started in entertainment. You said you knew you were going to be in entertainment and now you are in a really big way, but it's not the way you thought. And that's (laughs) such a speaking to that. We don't know what it looks like, but if we follow the guidance and the intention and get out of the way, then we get there. So I mean, like the fact that you're in it again and what you've been through for the past couple of years and, and finding it and what does letting it go mean and how did it lead to finding yourself where you are now? Yeah. Oh, I know it's, it's, I'm actually just so flabbergasted at times at how everything is orchestrated mm-hmm. and I think we have to realize as human beings, this is really hard for the ego that we don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> we really don't know very much. We only know what's in the realm of what's here and now, really. We don't have anything beyond the present moment. And it's a very cliche spiritual thing to say. Oh, you're only existing in the present moment. You have to be here and now. But going through this journey to be able to guide others the way I've been guiding them, the way that God and, you know, source has been showing me, I need to show up for others and guide them in the ways that I'm doing has been a tremendously difficult and arduous and turbulent and intense and magnificent, beautiful journey. And the letting go piece comes up over and over again. I mean, I'm currently in another one of those letting go experiences at a time where I wouldn't have even imagined it. And letting go is, I always look at, it's like the shamanic death cycle. Like you'll hear this when we say death cycle for many people that might be a new term where they simply associate death with the passing or the transitioning on of a loved one or somebody in physical to spirit form. What I'm talking about is more in shamanic terms of The shamanic death is like the identity, the ego death. It's the death of what has been so that the rebirth and the renewal can come through of new energy and a new chapter, a new beginning. And when you're on the spiritual path, if you are somebody who's on this path, you have to get used to doing it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, the only thing that is constant is change, is transitions. And for me, you know, the last couple of years when I, when I came here, I mean, I got the, the, I got told probably about five, six years ago in, I was in an office. So I used to have an office with my clients and the voice came in again of God saying, you're done with this type of iteration of your work. You know, mm-hmm. seeing people in the office doing it this way, you are meant to take your work and bring it into Hollywood. You are mm-hmm. meant to work with people who are in this realm. Because for years I was like, well, I don't understand what the hell the point of 10 years of that industry was to go what looked like in my mind, right? Like this is what we don't know anything, right? I'm doing something dramatically different, has nothing to do with Hollywood, quote unquote, right? It's like, I am in a totally different realm. And I didn't see how the pieces to this puzzle would come together. And the voice came through for me and that might not be for everybody, but for me came through and said, you need to shift in this direction. Well, little did I know here I am, I'm in Toronto. I'm in this, you know, township called Richmond Hill. If anybody's listening from back home, hello, 
you know, here in Richmond Hill and some of my former clients will know it was a great office. There I am thinking, how the heck is that going to happen? I don't have connections to this industry anymore. I let it go. I'm living in Toronto. I'm not in LA. I don't have a citizenship. I don't have a green card. I don't have anything on the horizon. Well, my husband, well now husband, came into my life and was American. I always intuitively knew I would marry an American. And, you know, obviously our connection developed. I didn't have the attachment to California and all of it the way I used to. So there was a detachment, a letting go of California being my home or the United States potentially being my home. I literally let it all go and I accepted that my life would be built where it was. And then when Jeffrey came into the picture, you know, we developed our relationship and he was also a lifestyle entrepreneur or whatever. I hate that term, but <laughs> nomadic, if you want to There's put so it. There's so many terms like that. Oh gosh. I, you know, so he was a coach and he could work from anywhere, mobile lifestyle. And so I, you know, just said, Hey, what would it look like? One of us is going to have to move at some point. Could we explore the idea of moving and being in California together at some point? And he was on board with that. And then we got married and I'm, you know, live in California and have my life here. And when we got here, I still didn't see how all the Hollywood piece would meet up. And a couple of years ago, very unexpectedly, I started to trance channel. And this was a very unexpected, very surprising, almost shocking part of my journey that I didn't see coming. So I'd always done intuitive work, you know, channeling people, people's higher selves through in my work. I've done readings, I hear things, but never to the point where my eyes are closed and part of my physicality is taken over by these energies of these other beings. And it's a whole other line and realm of work that I was familiar with. I watched Esther Hicks and in her channel, Abraham, you know, I was familiar with Paul Selig's work and him bringing through his guides and, you know, Bashar and all that. But, you know, for me to think that that was going to happen in my life, it was not on my radar. And it happened. It happened very unexpectedly. And the last couple years since stepping into that work have been a whole other level of surrender and letting go. Letting go of parts of my business, iterations of it, letting go of identities, letting go of a lot of, you know, humiliation around that piece, letting go of how I think the path should go there was like a whole other level of control. And that's what con control really is the center point of why we have such a hard time letting go because our mind, which is doing its job, the ego wants to have some sort of semblance of control to keep it feeling safe. Mm -hmm. And so if you're on this journey, you know, what I've learned and what I can share here is that the safety is not based on your mind. It's based on your connection to source, to God, to your mighty I am presence, to, to your higher self. It's based on your connection to grounding that into earth. It's based upon you feeling secure and loving and just empowered within yourself. And it doesn't come from thinking that you have control over every outcome or result and attachment. And, you know, so if, if, if God had come down and said to me 10 years ago, this is what your path would look like, I would say, are you insane? <laughs> like, are you crazy? There's yeah. no way I'm going to let that happen. And what would I have done? I would have tried to control things to not have parts of my journey be the way they were. I mean, I spent most of last year almost bedridden. You know, I was depleted and exhausted and burnt out. You know, it, it's, yeah. we have no idea. So the point of this and me sharing this, because now I am in Hollywood, all the pieces did come together, especially in the last year. You know, I've been to the Emmys, the Oscars, which have been like dreams for me to go to. I'm working with clients in the industry who are absolutely awesome. You know, I'm going to all these events. I'm on, you know, in the media and things are going viral and I'm getting a lot of publicity and whatnot, but it still remains, the bottom line is always there. Nothing changes for me, even though I've had a, you know, what seems like a dream come true and I'm doing and living my purpose everything comes back to the only thing that's real is my connection to source, to God. And if God says, this is not the path for you anymore, then I'm going to listen mm -hmm. because God's never done me wrong. That's mm -hmm. the, the truth. The only thing that thinks that God's done something wrong is my mind, which is upset because it's not getting what it wants or it's not in control. So you have to be comfortable, comfortably uncomfortable 
with getting to a point, like if you really want to learn how to trust and to listen to your intuition and to let go and to step into who you're here to be next, what you're here to do next, like what you're ready to call in, you have to be willing to surrender your control. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that mind control, it reminds me of the mind only knows what it has known. Exactly. So how could it possibly know what's next? It can't. It just can't. Yeah. Yeah. And so then my next question is, because this is something I really, really struggled with, and this is personal for everyone, and I'm still working on what everything means, but like, what is God to you? Mm. Because I know what it means to a lot of people. Yes. Everybody's going to have a version of God. And I respect and honor that. You know, I really do. I I will meet people where they're at. I've worked with people who love Jesus Mm -hmm. and are are very Christian focused. I've worked with people who are from Islamic cultures. I've worked with people from all different walks of life and religions and cultures and backgrounds. And God is different for everyone. There is no right or wrong reason. You know, I was brought up Catholic. And so for me, it was always the idea that there's this white bearded man in the sky you know, with a, you know, a flail and the crook and, you know, <laughs> kind of <laughs> sitting there and judging whether you're sinful or not. And that definitely didn't resonate for me. And I struggled with the God concept for many years. I just kind of will preface what I'm saying, because I think that's what helped me to define what God is to me today. And at one point in my journey, in my late teens, like around 1920, I did become atheist for a little while. Mm-hmm because I didn't resonate with what God was for me growing up. And I needed to almost have that excavation of what others had conditioned me to believe what God was in order for me to discover and define what that was for me. And so I went through a process of doing that where I was atheist or I didn't have any belief in anything. And then I moved into this whole idea of the universe and the universe being benevolent and this, you know, kind of in my mind, I would see like... (laughs) literally like universe of stars and planets and you know all this kind of like thing of of just like this whole orbit around me and around our, our our each and every one of us supporting us in some way and that started to kind of complete for me and then it was more you know about source and creator and the mm-hmm. earth. And, and I went through that phase of, of using, I still use the term creator source, primal source. I mean, that really resonates for me, but for me, I had to repair my relationship to God. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things that I do with a lot of my clients because they'll come in and they'll be like, Oh, I want to talk to the angels and this guide. And it's like, well, why don't you just go to the direct source? You know, I mean, people will say, well, why don't you channel God when you do your trans channel instead of the Palladian guides that you channel? And it's like, the Palladian guides are just assistants. They're not God and they will never claim to be. They don't want you to think that. They don't want to be prayed to. They're just here's advisors. That's it. My main source is not them. It's always going to God and my higher self. And God for me is the omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, universal creator of all life force, life energy, life giving, the orchestration of, of all that is in what we believe to be 3D tangible form. You know, it's the overseeing of everything and, and everyone on this planet and my life. And it's more not so much a being as it is a presence and an energy for me that is all loving, that is, you know, all encompassing. And when I say all loving, I don't mean like all the feel good, feel good feelings all the time, you know, that we oh, yeah. think. <laughs> like love can be tough, you know, and God is experiencing itself in all of these experiences that we're all having as human beings as itself through Adipia, as Vanessa, as whoever else. And through this, it evolves itself through Mm -hmm. these experiences. So that's how I look at God. And when I'm really in a scared place or I'm afraid, because that still happens to me too, as it does with everyone, I feel like God is the beloved mother, father figure, the beloved mother, father, the, the alpha, the omega, the yin, the yang, the presence in my life that embodies both the fierce, loving, protective father and the nurturing, nourishing, loving, compassionate mother that comes in and holds me in, in this beautiful, harmonious balance and, you know, calls my fears and reminds me of 
who I am and that I am provided and taken care of and loved and supported, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's interesting because it's personal, right? Like you, how you feel it is personal and yet it in and of itself is impersonal. So it's, it's not a personal, you know, it's not the, the bearded man and, you know, it's not Osiris. It's, you know, whatever the gods are like, those are also energies as, as I'm learning to understand them or make sense to me. And it, and it's like this, like you said, it's like this all pervading pervasive, like force and energy. It's almost like the thing that holds everything together and it's not personal. It's not judging. It's not a judging force. And even this idea of love, because I've been, this is one that I've been trying to, obviously with my mind, mostly trying to figure out, which is not how it works. It feels in my heart, correct. When you say love in, in the, in the way we use the word love, mm-hmm. it, the feel good stuff, but that's not exactly what love is. To me, it's almost like love is the fact of existence. It's the fact that everything endures, not from the victim stance of like, oh my gosh, how much do I have to put up with? I have to endure another, you know, round of like, I don't know, purging or whatever, like another chaos cycle, but like to endure as in I'm here, I'm here to stay. And I'm always going to be here. It's like the sky behind the clouds and love being that thing that is behind everything. But it doesn't mean, as you said, that it feels good. And I think that that's a challenge for, for people who are on a spiritual or awakening path is that we all want to get over the, the, the bad feeling stuff really fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, can we get over this like right now and get, get to love? Can we get to love and high vibrations and just stay there? But it's not really like that. No. And that's a level of spiritual development. Mm. And I think, you know, what I've learned, I've, I've studied with some of my mentors, integral theory and spiral dynamics. I won't get into all of that, but I'm fascinated by it because there are tiers of different levels of consciousness and tiers of development. And, you know, there was a time in my own development spiritually where I thought, yeah, let me get rid, let me clear all this negative stuff out so that I can feel good all the time. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. You know, spirituality is, and loving, accepting, approving of ourselves, because I, I really struggled even with the self-love movement of loving and accepting all parts of yourself. In theory, it sounds really great mentally. It's like, oh yeah, I, that sounds easy. Oh, and then I see myself in the mirror and I've gained a few pounds or I screw up on something and all of a sudden like I'm not loving myself. And so it really had to pull back the curtain for me and define, redefine and figure out with what to me made sense around like what is love like what is self-love what is love what is this whole thing around these vibrations and this positive and negative thing and what i learned is it is a phase in our development it is not the end all or be all i think that in our society what has become maybe more popularized in the last maybe five six even ten years is this idea of good vibrations only you know positive vibrations get rid of toxic people and it's like well, what we're really doing is we're disowning parts of ourselves because we all have a light and a, sh- a light shadow and a dark shadow. The dark shadow parts are all those emotions or elements or parts, aspects of our personality and ourselves that are that reside in what we would call the more unconscious realm. Mm. You know, we don't act from these places all the time, but it still exists in us. Are we capable of hurting or harming another being or animal or or insect? Of course, we are. We don't always act from that, but to disown it and say that it doesn't exist with, uh, within us and to get rid of it is basically saying that this part of me that is also a part of God and God's experience doesn't belong here and I need to reject it and get rid of it, which ends up actually causing more resistance and there's like an internal conflict to not face those things or we create it in our relationships. We start to attract people based on what we're repelling or disowning within ourselves. And the same thing with light shadows, what we see in others as magnificent where we give our power away. Mm-hmm. It's parts of us that we haven't claimed or developed or owned within ourselves. So there, that's another stage of spiritual development as well, because what I've also learned is that is all true. And it's not always the thing either. We're not always reflections of each other. We're not. So mm-hmm. there's here, So what I'm trying to say is there's tears of the development that happens that we have to go through. And I think that that is a a great 
if somebody is at that place, there's no judgment around that. It's perfect. Right. Yeah. That's where you're at. That was maybe one of the initial door openers or gateways for you to begin this journey for yourself. Like kudos to you Mm -hmm. for having the courage to be able to start that path and to be at that level in your journey. And if you are feeling compelled and called forward on your path, at some point you're probably going to evolve beyond that just as I'm going to evolve where I am now and you're going to evolve beyond where you are now. And there's just this never ending infinite loop of possibilities and evolution that happen that our minds can't even imagine or, or think or try to control. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and like you were saying before this, this, you know, light shadow and good shadow. I know that I experienced that and you were like by my side with, with the viral video because the comments, whether good or bad, because now that like six months has gone by, it's like a thousand to one good. But in the moment I was focused, right? My perception was focused on the, the bad and it felt worse because yeah. that's, that's what I was focused on. And you know, that this perception, a, a friend of mine, she, she said, Erica, she said, you know, the bad is projection and so is the good. Mm-hmm. which is, you know, which is similar to, to what you said. And it's that it's such a hard practice, I think for, for most people. And it's still really hard for me, like this pra- practice of neutrality or yes. objective, because sometimes I've intellectualized that as, well, does that mean that I have to be emotionless? Like mm. what's the difference between being objective about something and not like jumping in, getting caught up in the emotions mm-hmm. and still having the emotional part of us, because in the very beginning, you talked about this, and it's we dissociate from our emotions. So where's that balance between not getting emotional about something, but yet still having the emotions that make us human? That makes right. Sense. Absolutely. I mean, this is a part I feel in my own journey in the last couple of years, which is why I actually don't resonate with a lot of the spiritual community either all the time. We're human. We came here to have emotions. So we're not here to bypass emotions or to pretend like we don't have them because in the spiritual world, we need to check off a box that says, I'm neutral. <laughs> yeah. I've graduated. You know, it doesn't work that way. So what I have found to this point in my own development and with clients that has really worked is when you get triggered, okay, and, and this is a very, you know, buzzword in, in development, right? Triggered. So triggered meaning there's an emotional reaction. There's a reaction, reactivity to something that's happening within or outside of yourself. It could be in a relationship. It could be with a circumstance or experience you're having or a memory. Something arouses an emotion, emotional response, a felt sense moving through. It could be a happy, joyous you know, emotion, but typically when we're talking about this level of reactivity, we're talking about something that is maybe more unpleasant, mm-hmm. anger, rage, sadness, grief, guilt, shame, the list could go on. So I'm always an advocate that you cannot bypass what you're feeling. I think you have to give yourself permission to be in that reactivity, but you also have to have boundaries around it. So what tends to happen is two things. A person, depending on where they are in their awareness and how embodied they are, how much they've been doing this work, will either pretend like they're not feeling anything because they're afraid and they need to be positive and kind of repress it, or they'll repress it and pretend that there's nothing there because they've been taught that you shouldn't feel those things. And we see this a lot for you know men in our culture typically where they're told as a young child, don't cry. So if a man's emotional and feels sad, you know, he's been taught over a course of a lifetime to hide his emotions. And I'm not talking about all men. I'm just saying this is like a general concept. Now, the most important element in this, and this is a tip for everybody who's listening, is can you give yourself permission to actually allow yourself to feel the raw emotion that's coming through? Now, the keyword is raw. Because what tends to happen in reactivity, which perpetuates us feeling the feeling over and over and going deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole of those emotions, is that we feed it with story. Story being the narrative of why you're feeling that way. Typically, that is built and and held. The foundation of that is around survival mechanisms. It's survival. It's also a feeling of victim and blame. 
So it's a certain kind of vibration that's holding those stories, those narratives together. And if the story that you have of why is this happening to me? I can't believe that person did that to me. How dare they do that? Or that person left me. And you know, when we go into victim or blame and we're feeding it with this like scarcity survival kind of mechanism of I'm alone, I'm unsupported. How dare this happen to me? what happens is we feed that emotion. So the emotions don't typically exist unless there's some sort of story or belief or something attached to it. Mm. So the, the emotion in the body just wants to be released. It just needs to be felt and it needs to be felt fully and through so that it can come up. But if we're feeding it with narrative, which tends to happen, then we stay stuck in that emotion and we stay stuck in the story and we, stay, we, we feel disempowered. It's very hard find love and acceptance, to find solutions, to feel in our power again. So step one is if you get triggered and you have some sort of emotion coming up, feel the raw emotion fully. That means trying your best, doing your best to just stop the story that's feeding it. Then after that, this idea of being neutral comes up. To me, here's what neutral is. Neutral is responsive. It's responsiveness. So neutrality, when we get to this place where there's no emotion, like we just feel like I'm not happy, I'm not overjoyed, but I'm not feeling that emotion that I was feeling anymore. I'm kind of just there. I'm just neutral. Mm -hmm. And neutral offers you the opportunity to step into responsiveness. So there's reactionary behavior and then there's responsiveness. And responsiveness allows us to be an observer. So you hear a lot in spiritual development, the observation, like the, the part that is not the personality, but the part behind the personality, you can call it a higher self or the, the watcher, the seer of everything happening. And it, it doesn't have an attachment to anything. It's pretty neutral. It has the ability to look at things and see them for what they are. And this takes time to develop, so this doesn't happen overnight, but you can have this, this ability to be neutral and be responsive, and it's from that space of being detached, observing what's happening versus being the reactionary individual personality ego that's upset, mm -hmm. and that part of you has the ability to find solutions. So you get to do the inner work around it from neutral. So neutral is like step two, observing, being responsive. How is this supporting me? How has this been serving me? What am I here to learn from this experience? What is this relational dynamic telling me or teaching me about myself? What in me may have been the creator of bringing some of this into my reality? Mm. You know, what is source? What is God trying to show me through this? What are the gifts? And so I'm just giving you some examples of some, you know, empowering questions that you can ask when you are no longer in that reactive emotional space. And it's from there that you can do the inner work to get to this place of then getting the solutions, working through why it may have come up for you. And then you can choose something different from that place. Then you can choose joy. Then you can choose, you know, to stay neutral. Then you can choose love or you can choose forgiveness, but you cannot get there unless you felt in your human body, the emotions, because they're going to stay trapped in the cells. They're going to stay, it's going to stay trapped in the fascial tissue in the body. You don't just disappear because you're not thinking about it anymore. You pushed it away. Then you do the observational, the neutral point. Once that raw emotion's felt, then you do the head work, the internal work, the spiritual work, and then you'll have a different outcome or a different result. And that's where you can choose to experience your life or make different choices moving forward for yourself from a much more empowered and, and self-aware place. So it makes sense to kind of take you through. I know it kind of did a little roundabout. No, but it, I mean, everything's round, right? It's not the, it's, <laughs> it's it not fair. linear. Like the mind loves it to be linear. It's, it, it you know, it is. And it's this constant like going back around. So it's like, okay, yes. you might feel the emotion first, or you might have the thought first. I mean, who knows? But, you know, it's definitely like, notice that there's an emotion there. Acknowledge the emotion. This is what it kind of sounds like to me. Feel it hardest thing in the world ever is like really, really feel it without thinking about it. And then once you've felt it and it does shift in your body, you do, you do feel a shift in your body and then bring the mind 
as a tool to do, to ask some of those questions. So the self-inquiry, which is something, you know, I'm like super passionate about, I do it all the time, is like bringing the self-inquiry into it and asking the right kinds of questions, not victim villain questions, like who's to blame? Why am I a victim? Like the, the usual thing that the mind does to stay in its, in its, what it considers safe. And then coming back around and, and this whole time you're actually in your body because you need to feel the emotion in your body, not your, not, think about the emotion in your head, which was my whole life up until a couple of years ago when I figured that part out of you have to be in the body as in you have to allow yourself to feel it. And if like crying means like you're screaming or like you have to like shiver it out or you have to like dance it out, like it, it and it moves because emotion is energy. And now you mentioned this and I'm fascinated by this stuff and we probably don't have time to to dive into it, but the science, quantum science, neurobiology that shows Mm -hmm. that emotion literally is in your tissue. It's in your cells and it's in your DNA, which means that on a different level, a lot of what we might be feeling or believing is not actually ours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and when we enter this path, I believe that there's people who are chosen in our lineage just to kind of dovetail off of that, mm-hmm. to clear out all of the ancestral, the DNA and the emotions that aren't even ours, to get the tools to be able to work through that, to help empower the lineage and the energetics, the epigenetics of where we've come from and, and where our lineage is going. And I love that. And there is so much science now to back it up. I don't talk from such a scientific background, but I do understand it and I respect it. And and I am very practical. I like to make these things practical and accessible for people because we are having a human experience. We are meant to, you know, have the science and the spiritual come together. We are meant to have the emotions. We are meant to have good days and bad days. And you know, spirituality doesn't mean getting rid of all of those things. In fact, it means that you have more of the ability to hold all that is that's coming up in your life, to be with all of it, to work through it from a dynamic and and self-aware and empowered place to know that if it's placed here right now, there's a reason for it. Whether it's you clearing something out on your mom's side of your family or you need to learn this on a soul level because you've had, if you believe in incarnation, hundreds of lifetimes to finally get it and this is the opportunity or it's just simply like you're playing a, a thing out even for somebody, another brother, sister, soul in front of you that needs to have the experience of what you're going through. Like we all are here having this human experience, spiritual beings having this human experience, but at the end of the day, we're still human. We're still going to have a wide spectrum of emotions and days and and thoughts and experiences with one another. And we're all supporting each other in that evolution, but we're not seeing it that way. Right. Right. And that's the shift. That's the shift of, of how, how can this human experience not only help me to evolve spiritually, but also help me to have a more fulfilling human experience where it is so much more robust in every way. Like the depth that I can feel also means I have the depth and the height to feel even more joy, like the, the ability for me to be able to be with that sadness and that grief also increases my capacity to hold more joy and love in my being. Like, wow, it's so miraculous that we have this opportunity as human beings to experience the plethora of emotions and experiences and relationships with one another to evolve our species forward in consciousness. Yeah. And it, it, the word that keeps coming up is multidimensional. When you hear yes. that word, it's, it's not some like mystical weird thing. It, it's, we are multidimensional, even just from the perspective of thoughts and emotions, which is why we need to engage the mind, the left brain. Cause in some ways you might be able to see the, the spiritual side of us as the right brain. There's like, you know, in, in the science, on the science side, but we, to me, it's been my experience because I have such an active like left left brain, like the linear mind and the analytical side. It's like giving a dog a bone to chew on. So like give it something to chew on and bring it on side. And then your right brain, your spatial brain, your creative brain gets its space to open because the left side is over here. It's busy. 
with the data and the information and it's saying, okay, I think I can get on board with this. It's almost like, you know, it's like you're, well, we know it's, you're putting yourself together and you're allowing all parts of you to get along. Uh, right. So that, like you said, so this embodied integrated person that is going to experience everything more deeply, whatever, whatever that is. And at least for me, the world, even in its craziness, makes more sense than it ever has. And it's hard to explain, but that's how it seems to me is that things make sense, even though if they were only being viewed from a historical point of view or a linear point of view, that might not be the case. But because of the integration and, and the work and allowing myself to feel things and letting them go, it's like I see things from a much, much wider perspective. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It, it really expands your range of possibility and perspective and understanding and compassion and capacity. I mean, it's, I love how you put that so eloquently. I really, really resonate with that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's such a, you know, we, we worked on this, like, what is, what am I here to do? And I still don't really have an answer for that, but if like doing this podcast is part of it and I can language things that, that help other people go through a process they might be going through and, and like bringing people like you on that, that have such a deep connection to God's source, your higher self, all those things. Because when we all get there to the degree that we can and that we want to, we're just, we're just better people. Like I'm, you know, yeah, I still have my moments when I'm, I have my crying moments and I have like, you know, the things that happen, but overall, like you were saying, I will have total spontaneous moments of joy for no reason. Hummingbirds make me so happy. Mm. You know, things like that, like, it's just like the, the most spontaneous moments of joy and you know, and it, and it is, and it's part of the journey and whatever comes next, it's like, okay, I can handle it and I'll, I'll do my best. So mm -hmm. um, maybe to, to, to close out, I wanted to ask, like you went through this whole practice, right? The emotion and the taking the mind out of it and then bringing it back in and the self-inquiry and stepping back. What are a couple of practical, other practical practices or tools or strategies that you use on a daily basis that that somebody could explore or integrate into their day? Yeah. I mean, I highly recommend before you check phone, email, newspaper news, any, I mean, this is simple and not going to keep it and make it complex. Connect with yourself and God, you know, develop a morning practice and even an evening practice where it encompasses mind, body, spirit, maybe even energy. If you're tuned into that and you create options, you know, we can make lists of what would be really good to help my mind feel centered. So for an example, that might be prayer, it could be affirmation, it could be making calls, it could be making declarations, mm -hmm. it could be stating gratitude, it could be journaling, body, what would be helpful for my body to get online and to feel invigorated and alive. Maybe it's going to the gym or yoga or stretching or going for a morning walk and and doing some prayers while you walk. I do that a lot, actually. You know, and then, you know, soul. I mean, these are all encompassing that. Maybe it is like meditation and it is going inward. And it's taking five, 10 minutes just to breathe and, and just be with your soul and connect to that part of you and maybe listen and tune into your intuition and set an intention for your day. Set an intention for how you want the energy around you and in you to be directed that day. So an intention is, you know, my intention for today is to, you know, embody my authenticity and my fullest expression. My intention is to have the energy around these calls go smooth, that I finish my calls on time, that I get to this appointment in the most efficient way. My intention is that I have joy and I'm present with my children or my spouse or the people in my life, or I feel I love myself today, that I actually look at myself and feel beautiful in my own skin. I mean, I'm just giving examples, throwing them out there, but I really feel like if you can get a 10, 15, 20, 30 minute, if you've got more time, then great. If you, most people don't opportunity in the morning before all the craziness of the day starts to unfold, create some time for you because that will do wonders for the rest of your day. And 
it helps you to also become more responsive. So when we are more connected and centered to ourselves and feeling grounded and, and, and uplifted, we also have more of the capacity to be less reactive to things not going our way or going well in our day. And we can slip more into that responsiveness. We have more of the ability, like where there's, there's more time for us to slow down and be more self-aware and, and just dialed into what the moment is asking for us versus kind of start our day programming with email and all the stuff that we were already connected to the outside world. So the most simplest thing I can say is connect to yourself before your feet touch the ground or in the first you know, hour of your day, really make it about you and doing something for you because it will make a big difference, not just in that day, but long-term. You really will. You will notice a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And it's beautiful. What I loved about what you said is that you didn't say everybody should do meditation, right? Like the prescribed thing, because I know my practice changes all the time. It just depends on how I feel, but it's always about connecting to myself. And when I started doing that, well, I also don't sleep with my phone in, in my room. So yeah, I just don't do that. I hear the alarm. I have to get out of bed and and get to it. But I I have that time in the morning and it it takes some self-control to not want to open, you know, the notifications or, you know, Instagram or whatever the dopamine hit is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And just to, you know, just to like, move away and just stay, stay in a really quiet space and, and connect with myself. And sometimes actually like this morning, it meant reading. Like I felt like I wanted to yeah. read some, some stuff that I was doing some research on. And, and so I did that and I didn't judge myself for like, you know, popping open my laptop because that's where this, this thing was that I wanted, um, that I wanted to read and I still meditated. So I really appreciate like, well, I appreciate you. I mean, you know how much Thank I appreciate you. you. And the, the wisdom that you bring in terms also of dissecting for people and making it okay to not have to follow a prescribed path. Like you're not selling this prescribed path, this 10 step method, this linear program, let's say you're, you're really giving everyone permission to be themselves in every mm. moment and inviting a sense of awareness to deepening that relationship with themselves. So I really thank you so much. Thank you. I really like I, that reflection means so much. And I so deeply appreciate you and your ability to create a container and space like this for us to have this level of conversation and just your commitment and your devotion to your path and to be able to, to do this for others, bring this to others. I mean, you said before, I still don't know what I'm doing. And I say, you're doing it. Right. <laughs> Your mind just thinks it has to look a certain way. You're doing it. Like what a gift that this is that you are bringing this to the world and sharing your wisdom as well. And I'm just so grateful that we had the chance to do this today and to have this conversation. And my intention is that it provides real practical value for those who are listening to this and that they get something that speaks to them and they, and they really get something from it for themselves, you know, and you're right. There is no one path and I've never, and that's been my, my kryptonite in this work too is, Oh, Vanessa, you need to have a 10 step formula and like market at this. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work for me because this work is not meant to be that way. It's not meant to be boxed. It's not meant to be a one size fits all just as human beings. We are not a one size fits all. We're not this binary you know, programmed, all of us need to look and feel and be the certain way. Like, so this work can't be either, you know, you cannot put things around it, contain, you can't contain it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're uncontainable. We're, we're totally like, like you said, there's no boxes, like the, the boxes that we've been in actually can't contain us. And I feel like this whole world we're breaking out. We're like, there is nothing that can contain this magnificent self and it's in its every single expression, whether it's me or you or everyone around us, like there's nothing that can, that contains us and it's liberating and a little, not scary in a fear-based way, but like how much power when we can tap into it. Yes. We're unstoppable. We really truly are. 
Ah, yeah. Love amazing. It. Well, thank you. I know that you are a stickler for time as, uh, as am I, I mean, I know we could talk for hours, but, and I will, you know, I know it's hard on like audio, but if you want to just quickly, like where people find you, like what platforms do you use the most? And then everything yeah. will find in the show notes. Yeah, that's great. So if you are interested in following me, you can visit my website at vanessapetronelli.com. I have a free gift on there if you sign up and subscribe to my email and I promise not to harass you every day. <laughs> you will be sent some valuable tools and upcoming events and things like that that I'm that I'm doing. And I'm really active on Instagram as well as Facebook. So those are basically my two hubs for majority of my free work and you know my thoughts and all of my philosophies and teachings. I do a lot of videos, things like that. And YouTube is slowly being built up. So you'll probably be able to find me there. And there's some videos there too, if you want to check that out of some of my work. But yeah, those are the best ways to stay in touch with me. And I'd love to hear from you and hear how this podcast helped you. Like what were the takeaways for you from Adapia and my, my time together today? What stood out for you? and What did you get from it? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. So have a have a beautiful day. You too. Uh, and and I, I, you know, we'll see each other soon. Hopefully, at one of your upcoming events or when you're in LA next time. So thank you again from the bottom thank of my you. heart. <laughs> thank you so much, and lots of love to you and everybody listening. Thank you.